Benvenuti al podcast di Bazooka Luca! I just couldn't bring myself to fade that song out. Usually do, but not this time. I couldn't stop it once it was out of the gate. A juggernaut of a band, McCluskey, out of Cardiff, Wales. The song is Lightsaber Cocksucking Blues off of their 2002 album, McCluskey Do Dallas. One of my favorite albums. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Welcome, everyone. To the Bazooka Luca podcast, episode number five. Can you believe we made it to number five? Well, I can. I'm in it for the long haul, people. When I commit to something, I'm fucking sticking to it. You can count on it. And uh, here we are in the first two minutes of the podcast, and I've already said cocksucking and fucking within uh, two sentences. And granted, one of them was the title of a work, so I'm not really responsible for that. But I'm really uh, earning that explicit tag on iTunes. I certainly uh, wouldn't want to uh, earn it on a technicality. So I'm going all out. So it's the Ides of March. Beware, beware the Ides of March. Because on today's show, I'm bringing my parents into the fold. As I told you on the last episode, my parents were visiting me from Italy. They stayed with me for a solid month. And uh, so on the last day of their visit, I surprised them by sticking a microphone in the middle of the room and uh, springing some questions on them. Considering the conditions, I think they handled it like a couple of pros. And it's not like I'm a pro. But at least I have uh, the comfort of a home field advantage here at the Bazooka Luka Compound. And uh, it is indeed a comfort. Before we kick this thing off, a disclaimer. I had some sound issues during the recording. A faulty mic cable caused uh, some drops in the sound a couple of times and a few pops here and there and some static. Nothing too serious, but I wouldn't want you to question the quality of your sound arrangement So remember that it's not you, it's me. As far as the accents during the interview, yes, that is us. 
but uh, we're foreign, so deal with it. I think it's kind of cute. Here's uh, Kurt Vile with a new song, Puppet to the Man, and uh, we're off. Here in the Bazooka Luka compound with my parents. Say hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, everybody. That is uh, my mother, Silvana. Yeah. Hi, everybody. And this is my father. Piero. Hello to everybody. Okay, so you've been at my house for a month, roughly. How's your time in Atlanta been? Wonderful. I really like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was very nice. We enjoy a lot the the city, yeah, and we like it. Okay, good. You're leaving tomorrow, and you're leaving the United States in a state of disarray and chaos because one of our biggest stars, our TV stars, has been going through a rough time. I am, of course, talking about Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. You are aware of what's going on with Charlie Sheen? Yes. We yeah. Um, he was caught apparently high on drugs, with hookers in Las Vegas. So you're aware of the situation, right? Yes, oh, yeah. we are. And you used to watch uh, Two and a Half Men while you still li- lived in the United States, right? A few years ago? Yes. Actually, we are seeing a rerun in Italy, too. <coughs> so in Italian, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, how's that? It's a little bit weird. The voices are different, but uh, I still like it. Do you think the storylines are, are similar, like as yes. far as dialogue? Yes, yes, they are similar. Okay. Well, on the show, he's kind of a playboy himself. Yeah. Really playing a, a, maybe a caricature or maybe a, a toned-down caricature of himself in real life. Yeah, I think so. So uh, the, the reason I bring this up is because... It's been interesting how the people in the United States have responded to the Charlie Sheen thing, where some people are disgusted by his behavior and want him off TV and want him to get cleaned up or whatever. They just want him to disappear. Then some other people have treated him kind of like a hero. And it sounds very familiar to me. It sounds like somebody you know back home, yeah. Silvio Berlusconi. No. Yeah, I think it's worth <laughs> you think Silvio Berlusconi is worse? Yes, than Charlie Sheen. Yes. Well, for those who don't know, Silvio Berlusconi is the Prime Minister of Italy. He's been Prime Minister for how many years now? Uh, 17, almost. Okay, on and off. Like on he, and off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he was in power for a long, like 10 years almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Throughout uh, the late 90s and into the 2000s, mm-hmm. then was unseated by uh, more of the left wing in Italy. Yeah. For only two years or even less, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, no, two years. Right and now. the reason because it's worth is because he's a politician, and these are, uh, you know, the pre- the prime minister, and the, you know, the example has to be 
Yeah. Uh, so let's let's explore what what his transgressions are. Besides being a a criminal uh, businessman and politician, he's he's done a lot of bad things throughout the years. Yes, he did. But the the thing recently that's gotten him in trouble is uh, these uh, apparent uh, sex parties he has mm-hmm. with prostitutes. Uh, first of all, with minorities. Well, not minorities. Uh, uh, people who are uh, underage. No, underage. No, underage. Because they were not Italians. Uh, well, that people mean. from other part of other countries. Okay. Okay. So, and that I think is disrespectful or something like that. To who? To those girls. Oh. Well, how and so? How how would it be different if it was Italian girls? I I don't know. So you I think, think he's taking advantage of? I think so. Oh yeah. yeah. Of people from other country who... Yeah, especially underage, and, uh, and this, that's disgusting. That's well, disgusting. It's almost <coughs> pedophilia or something like that. Yeah. So the, the latest <coughs> accusations are from uh, a 17-year-old girl? Is yeah. That, yeah. That's the, the only one that we know that is really... Yeah. We don't know about the others. Right. Actually. So, I mean, what's, what's the feeling like in Italy? I mean, what are people saying? Oh, 50% of the population are happy with him and uh, they're very happy the way he behaves. And uh, the other 50% is disgusted, like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what we have to say? People love him. Why do you think people love him? Because he's, you know, he has a good sense of, he has a sense of humor some way. Isn't it smugness though? Like he isn't he uh, permaloso in Italian? I oh guess. Yeah, yeah, very much. You yeah. cannot talk about him. Every TV uh, program is uh, is almost uh, censored uh, right. from uh, the 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 government and everything. and because so he he controls uh, he several controls, uh, several uh, TV channels. Yes, yeah. he All was those and yeah. and TV uh, channels and uh, uh, magazines. Yeah, and uh, newspapers. Right. All the information is in uh, in his end. Yeah. So I think it's really disgusting, and everything is disgusting to me. So and do you think I can't stand him anymore? So what is it about Italian culture that so many people can support somebody who does uh, what is almost universally seen as inappropriate behavior for a politician? Because they like be like him and, uh, you know, uh, be corrupt and uh, have a lots of money because he has a lots of money. So people, it takes him like an example. Or something, a good example. Right. But I don't think it's no good for young people, for, um, you know, the people who think differently, who works every day hard and make uh, the family, the family, um, you know, um, it's something that I, I cannot understand. Yeah. I really understand. Well, I ve- I it's very clear to understand it. Uh, in the last 20 years, you know, uh, in Italy disappeared the working class. Right. So now all the people that is supporting Berlusconi is the the top middle class. People that don't produce nothing. Yeah. They just use right. production. So they, they just offer offer some uh, service. So 
They are the people that normally don't pay the tax. Yeah. Tax evaders. Tax oh, evaders. yes. Yeah. If you don't pay the tax, in Italy you are a very smart guy. Not a criminal. No, not a criminal. Very smart. Right. So they, they represent the class that doing nothing, made money, and, and you know, and they survive. Right. So... So they, they're like people who cheat the system are oh, seen yeah. as heroes. Almost. Yes, they use the system right. to survive, right? To make more rich, right? So, so Berlusconi becomes a hero to these morally bankrupt people. Yeah. Exactly, but and right now that the working class don't exist anymore, like in every part of the world, because. All the working force right now is in China or India. Right. You know, they try uh, use this vantage to make more money and doing nothing. So, cheater paid uh, people that don't pay taxes and the criminal use this system to abuse. Yeah. So, and the corruption is very, very high. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, how do you uh, what? Now he's going to be on trial in April. They actually got him to. Uh, they actually got something through the court system oh, yeah. that might go the distance. It might actually mm. put a dent in his uh, Teflon image. So, do you, what do you think is going to happen with that? Oh, I think that everything ends in the way that it starts. Which is nothing. Nothing's going to happen. No. Mm. Because Especially this new trial is going to be about the underage girl, right? Yeah, I know. And prostitution abuse. Abuse, yeah. yeah. And abuse like of that. power, of position. Oh, yeah. mm. Now, in Italy, there, let me explain to the people who are listening who may not know our uh, political system. We are, of course, a republic. There's uh, a parliament which is made up of political uh, party coalitions. Um, so, many. what's. Many parties. Yeah, many parties. Yeah, too yeah. many. Yeah, and there's a lot of parties, but in, in order to get anything to work, they create coalitions so yes. that they, they all decide they're going to vote one way or the other or yeah. whatever comes up. And the way the prime minister is elected is people vote for parties, and then the parties, once they get voted in, vote a person to be the prime minister. So nobody has ever really voted for Berlusconi. They just voted for his parties or, or for his for the parties that coalition. make up this coalition. Yes. Why does he keep getting put back as prime minister is my question. I don't know. Is it because Maybe he is... Because he has money and he pays everybody. He pays off everybody? He pays off everybody. Well, we have a Actually, to have a majority, then the, the last um, uh, vote, that they vote for something I don't remember, to have the majority, he, he really paid some of the guys of mm -hmm. another party Oh, really? The position oh, yeah. to come, over. To know come that. over and they, for three votes, <laughs> yeah. he's still yeah. there. Right. So that's disgusting. Yeah. It's really something that I really, you know, Italians can be sometimes lazy, you know, we like the living well and everything. But we are even uh, good people. We were actually. Not maybe until now. No, no anymore. And we were very, work, very hard-working people. Yeah. And we are creative. Of course. And we don't deserve people like that yeah. governing us. Well, I mean, the way I see it from here, he's a joke. He's I mean, a joke. Yeah. He's something that the only, everybody laughs. 
Yeah, the only time yes, you ever hear of Berlusconi is when something bad happens yeah. and people yeah. like John Stewart make I fun am, of him. I am really, really ashamed. Yeah, as have, am I. Well, in yes. 17 years that this guy was in the government, apart of the fact that he's in the politics just to avoid the jail. Yeah. Right. You know that is the only. He was. He was a. He was. A, he, was yeah. a, he was the richest man in Italy yeah. throughout mm. all of my life. Really, yeah. he owned uh, AC Milan, the yeah, soccer team. He owned everything. He owns three of the major networks on television. Mm. Um, no, more than three, four now. Well, uh, yeah. the I was just world. saying the, yeah. <laughs> before he became a politician. So, what I'm trying, I guess, what I'm trying to see is like when. Like he is, how old is he? 72? 75. Almost. 75 already? 75. Well, is he going to have to die? Uh, well, we actually, hope so. We hope so. But actually, he's, uh, he's convinced that he's going to live until uh, 120 now. Does he say that? Yeah, yes. because he's very good, excellent health. Because he does a lot of sex. He's a troll. <laughs> he is just a narcissist. Uh, yeah. I can say it. His mm -hmm. mom is di uh, she died, but I think he's a very big son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's a son of a bitch, huh? Yeah, he is. Well, that is clear. Pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't uh, the judges in his court case all women in this one Mo coming up? Most of them are, and yeah. they are against uh, him. And you know what? Well, the, they should be. <laughs> there is one that she is really a tough one in Milan, uh -huh. and... Uh, they find out that she was sleeping with somebody in the late 60s. Oh, they tried to, to get her. To, oh, to yeah. get to her something yeah. in the past. Right. It is really something that you so, have just to laugh So, not only does he create transgressions and all these things, but he also... Intimidates. Intimidates and, oh, yeah. and destroys his opponents. Yeah, he says that everybody, they are communists. Yeah, well, that's a tactic that's... Yeah. seen here as well whenever you want to scare people away from somebody you just call them a communist or well, socialist it's a or... pathetic uh, attack but you know yeah. i am i am uh, i am very happy that uh, february the 13th yeah the last february the 13th all women around italy yeah. came out yeah i saw that the squares yeah. and the, the roads every city they were millions yeah to say Enough. Enough. Right. It's enough. We are women and we don't like to be treated like that. Yeah. And like it, he treats women. And that's why I think it's like, weird. Like whores and, yeah. and prostitutes. Yeah. And that's why I think it's weird because Italian women have a pretty good tradition of being very feminist and, we and, were. and very independent yeah. and very uh, a strong voice <laughs> in the society. And they have seen... Uh, this goes on in their society. Their leader is... <clears throat> is the, a huge misogynist yeah. and uh, I, you know it's hard to see this happening at the same time yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about um, the opposition what is the opposition to him in the parliament well in this moment the opposition <clears throat> is in vacation like god you know <laughs> they are there is one guy that i like it in the the left He's a gay man, he's really nice, and he speaks very well, and mm -hmm. he has his ideas very, very clear, 
unfortunately he's in a small mm. party and we don't know Vendola, his name is Vendola, Vendola. Right. Mickey Vendola, and I like him a lot. Okay. But, uh, you know, we don't know. What, uh, I, he's the only guy that I like. I guess the, the, the only thing I'm not sure about is what is, was the feeling like <clears throat> in Italy? Like, what are people talking about? Do, do most of your friends find him re- repulsive or are people um, coming out to support him more? Uh, like, 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 what are people talking about? Unfortunately, we have most of our friends, they voted for him. Really? So we are unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. We are very unfortunate about that. But some of the other friends that we have, they are from the other part of the fence, (laughs) I can say. At the very end of the story, is that you are rich or poor? No, it's not like that because the middle class used to vote. The middle class don't exist anymore. Yeah, but they (laughs) vote for for the left, not for the right. And also, I think he's. uh, the, the right-wing parties are, are leaning on, on populists kind of issues to get voted in because I know a lot of them are against immigration and yeah. they're yeah. taking, they're taking yeah. a hard line against immigration. Yes, and, a lot. And a lot of people in Italy see that as a problem. Yeah, so they, they hang on to like, oh, well, they're going to get rid of all these immigrants, so I better vote in. I don't even care about anything else as long as they do that. Or, or they have like other social issues that get attached to like uh, more conservative, I guess, mm-hmm. social issues. Uh, actually, not at all. No. Not many social. Mm. Actually, they change a lot, even the school system. Right. And uh, they fire many, many teachers. You're talking about the government who's in power. Yes. Now. Yeah. All the researchers. We have good researchers in Italy, good doctors and everything. Yeah. They go out. Ah, they come to the USA actually, <laughs> to. To continue their job because there, the there opportunity is no, to, no future to for do them, something. no money yeah. in research and something. And I think uh, putting money in education is very important for a people. They actually, in Italy, we have arts and everything and, and to see and monuments, and they got a rich culture. Yes, yeah, and we have less money now, <laughs> even for that, and that's our well, fortune. Yeah. Is that what uh, Berlusconi understand very well? If you have a stupid people, you can dominate. So yeah. you yeah, start to cut the, the school, uh, culture, and everything. So stupid people, you can survive for 100 years. Yeah, that's right. So it's really something that uh, I am so concerned about the young generations now. Right. They don't have any, you know. They don't have any fight in them. They don't want to fight. They don't. I don't know. They, they, don't. they, they, give, they, up. they give up faster than <laughs> we used to be. We used Do to you be think it's because they've had easy lives? In mm, some way, they don't have easy lives. But, but they're comfortable lives. Well, yeah, uh, you because, know, you know, Italian's family, they yeah, take the care parents, of the children. Uh, they right. take care. But, you they know, the money, one the... day, it will mm-hmm. be gone. Right. Even mm. from the families. So yeah. mm. uh, this generation may be still going, but next generation, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy living there. Even if I love my country, it's a beautiful country, and I am very happy to be back there. But I'm, I am really disgusted when I watch TV and I channel, I change the channel continuously. Just not seeing their faces. They are always in TV. Yeah. Always in every do you think, program. Do you think that's why there is a, a sort of lack of populist opposition is because 
people are just sick of hearing about it. I think so. And they just turn it off. Turn it off, turn and, it off. Uh, and yeah. they don't they don't care. Right. I don't know. They they go on with their life. They are very happy to have maybe one or two weeks of vacation a year, and have you know I don't know. Well, this is very sad. It is sad. <laughs> it is sad. Believe me. Uh, when we went back two years ago, we were really uh, looking ourselves, and oh my God, what is this? He's almost a dictator or something like that. Yeah. Right. We live in a regime. Yeah. I guess mm. I, if, if we can end this on a positive note, is that Italy has seen emperors, it has seen yes. kings, seen it has everything. seen dictators, <laughs> it has seen dynasties upon dynasties of rulers. Oh, yeah. We're still a, a huge <coughs> global cultural force. We are a, a very strong culture because of the oppression, maybe. So maybe this is just how we operate. I think so. Well, we are Maybe too we old. deserve that. Maybe we no. deserve that. We that, deserve that. to have somebody who rules. Well, the problem is that we have too many years of history. So we are too much complicated in this moment. We, we need some simple rules. If I can... <sighs> If I can go in some places and have the, the opportunity to say something, I would say to every Italian, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> All right, well, that's, yeah. I, I think that's a good place to end this. We need help from the USA. Can I borrow <laughs> some bullets, please? <laughs> can you come and invade us again? Yeah. Well, Please. I don't know if that's a solution, mm. but uh, thanks for uh, talking about it with me today. Mm. Uh, it was a pleasure. Or Switzerland. Please, come invade us. <laughs> Please. All right. Well, it's been, uh, it's been fun having you on the podcast, mm -hmm. and it's been uh, a pleasure having you in my home for the last month. Oh, yeah. Thank I you, love you guys. Thank well, you, Luca. We love you. By too. the way, Atlanta... That is a nice city. I like it. Damn. Yeah. All right. Enjoy. So you hear it here first. My dad endorses Atlanta. All right. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime. It was a pleasure.
That was The Strokes with Under Cover of Darkness off of Angles, their new album. Which, by the way, if anyone, anyone can figure out what album cover uses the same font and placement of the title as Angles, please let me know. When the cover art was announced a few weeks ago, I hit up every knowledgeable friend of mine on Facebook and Twitter about it, and no one could quite figure it out. We came close, but not quite close enough. And yet, uh, several of us were sure, like 100% sure, there's another album that has the identical font and placement of the title on the cover. It's driving me crazy. I went through my entire library and scoured the internet for several days to no avail. But rest assured, the truth is out there. And we will find it. Moving right along... The kickoff song on today's podcast got me thinking about short songs and how much can be said in a short burst. And I'm not talking about interludes or themes per se, which are more likely uh, to introduce or conclude songs. Conclude? Conclude? Oh, God, I can't fucking talk. Um, But fully realized standalone pieces is what I'm talking about here. I'm uh, scrolling through my iTunes library currently, So uh, let's find a few examples, shall we? This is uh, certainly not a definitive list or anything, uh, but here we go. Ah, here's a perfect example of expressing a concept clearly and succinctly through a short song. The fictional band Crash and the Boys, which is actually members of a broken social scene, off of the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World soundtrack. The song, well, I'll let them explain. This song is called I Am Sad, So Very, Very Sad. sad. Thank you. This next one's called We Hate You, Please Die. See, short and to the point. Another band that is a fan of brevity is uh, Breaks, which on their first album had a couple of short songs that I'll play for you back to back. One's about Dick Cheney, and the other one's uh, just a musical comma. Making punctuation fun. The Beatles, being master songwriters themselves, understood brevity as well. And uh, they managed to pack in a ton of melody and tiny windows of purdiness. Here's uh, Maggie Mae. And here's Abbey Road closer, Her Majesty. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make her mine, oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make her mine. 
And what would the Beatles be without their American counterparts slash rivals, the Beach Boys? Here's uh, Meant For You, the opener on 1968's Friends. As I sit and close my eyes, there's peace in my mind. And I'm hoping that you'll find it too. And these feelings in my heart, I know, are meant for you. And here's their take on the Burt Bacharach penned Walk On By in uh, pop nugget form. Yum. If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry Walk on by Walk on by Foolish cry Punk rock, of course, is perhaps the best proponent of uh, short songs. Here's Wire with Brazil off of their legendary Pink Flag album, which slams 21 songs over the running length of 35 minutes. And here's Black Flag out of Southern California with Spray Paint the Walls. It feels good to feel I want. It feels good to knock it down. It feels good to scuff your eyes. It feels good after a while. Spray Paint the Walls. So I see the blades succeed. Won't be you for people like me. My life is there to use. It feels good after a while. Spray Paint the Walls. Feels so good to feel I want. Feels so good to knock it down. It feels good to scuff your eyes. It feels up to the wild Baby, the walls It feels up to the wild And here's Black Flag's first vocalist, Keith Morris, with his other band, Circle Jerks, with Deny Everything. Innocent until I'm proven guilty Deny everything, deny everything I'm being afraid, it's all a setup Deny everything, deny everything I'm just a smoke the wheel Part of the puzzle, part of the game I'm being afraid Keeping it in Southern California, San Pedro's own The Minutemen not only wrote great short songs, but they cranked out hundreds of them at a breakneck pace over their five years of existence. 
Here's one of my favorites, My Heart and the Real World. And if I was a word, could my letters number a hundred more likely question get on one syllable Anglo-Saxon? I just wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't play any minor threat. Here's Straight Edge. Keep it with a social slash political theme. Here is the Violent Femmes with their 80s anti-Reagan song, Old Mother Reagan. This is one of my favorites. Old Mother Reagan and her crew took away from me and you. I'm sick of For more anti-Reagan songs, I recently did a post on BazookaLooka.com called Bad Time for Bonzo, a Ronald Reagan memorial on his 100th, and there's a playlist with a bunch of protest songs about Ronald Reagan. Please check that out. It's pretty rockin'. Up next, uh, how about an acapella piece by the Magnetic Fields called Roses. By That was pleasant. Robert Pollard writes songs at the frequency that you and I eat meals. And he's been doing it for 30 goddamn years. Let's see if we can fit four songs of his guided by voices in under two minutes, while all the while decreasing fidelity. Got your timer? Mm, go. My tongue the moose now. A minute before the evil sleep. Breath from 
just a ghost Blurring sweat heads Noodle stuff Sit up and bathe For slivers of language That the night air might offer Pin back your ears and feet Oh, right we went over by like two seconds very close very very close here's a pretty one by a country legend rambling jack elliott called gene harlow enjoy gene harlow died the other day these are the very words i heard her say jackalaka 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 Jackalaka, 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 jackalaka Gene Harlow died the other day I have mixed feelings about that one now. I don't know how to feel, whether I feel happy or sad. I better just play some Paint It Black and get it all out. Aggression, 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 bad. Ah, that's better. But perhaps not spastic enough. Maybe the Blood Brothers will help. Blood Brothers?
God damn it, I love the Blood Brothers. It's an acquired taste, but once you acquire it, oh man, good, good stuff. Here's another good one by a band called Thingy. It's called Hide and Seek. Thingy is a band that apparently only uh, Shalewa and I know about, my friend Shalewa. But uh, it's Rob Crow from Pinback. Um, it's his, one of his first bands. He's been in like 800,000 bands. Uh, but this is one of his best ones, and uh, I love this song. You don't need much more than that. That's perfect, just the way it is. What do you say we wrap this thing up? How about a couple of songs by the White Stripes? One sung by Jack, and uh, one sung by Meg. Well, you're in your little room, and you're working on something good. But if it's really good, you're gonna need a bigger room And when you're in the bigger room, you might not know what to do You might have to think of how you got started sitting in your little room advice Meg ladies take heed well I hope you've enjoyed some of these short songs and that you now agree with me that it doesn't take three verses and five choruses to get a point across sometimes brevity brings gravity and I think Cat Stevens agrees with me am I right take it away Yusuf Islam bring tea for the man Steak for the sun Wine for the woman Who made the rain come Seagulls sing Your hearts away As wild sinners sin The children play Oh Lord How they play and play For that happy day For that happy day 
those of you who've been paying attention to the Bazookalka podcast since the beginning, or at least just episode number three, will remember Adrian as the official adorable curmudgeon of this program. She railed against libraries in her first feature, and today, well, she's got something that's perhaps even less defensible. This is Random Act of Hatred with Adrian. Today, I'd like to talk to you about backpacks and why I hate them. They come in a variety of shapes and sizes and have many purposes. There are small ones that hold as little as a purse, large ones that can be filled with an entire summer's worth of clothes and schlepped around Southern Europe. There are ones with wheels that can be easily dragged about and ones that come connected to a straw so you never have to be thirsty on your bike ride or hike. Obviously, I'm talking about backpacks. My first backpack-related memory involves the night terrors of a neurotic five-year-old. For some reason, I got it in my head that a tiny dwarf with X's for eyes lived at the top of my ceiling. Did I mention he could levitate? He could levitate. He also wore a small backpack full of knives that he would throw down at me while I slept, causing me to sleep in an uncomfortable position for years. My theory was that a knife in the stomach would hurt far more than a knife in the back or side. Unique delusional fears aside, I did carry a backpack as a child. However, I stopped carrying one in the 10th grade, but I was unaware that it could be more than a personal aesthetic preference at the time. The 90s were all about being different, and since everyone else was using backpacks covered in patches and safety pins, I ditched mine and replaced it with a bag that was not designed to carry heavy literature books and three-ring binders. So I frequently had to hold half my books in my hands, but I didn't care. I was just walking from class to class after all. One of the first clues that there might be some backpack animosity lurking beneath the surface came when, years later, I watched an entire step-by-step instructional video on how to do Soldier Boy Tellum's Crank That Dance. In this video, you'll see Soldier Boy and his crew dancing in an emptied-out swimming pool. But the strangest and most irritating part to me is not that they're in an emptied-out swimming pool or even that the video exists in the first place. It's that two of his backup dancers are wearing backpacks. Backpacks that are obviously empty due to the fact that they lay perfectly flat on each wearer's back, indicating that this is not for function, but for fashion. My next backpack run-in happened about a year later. Luca and I were driving home from Trivia one night at a bar in Midtown Atlanta, and some hippie guy crossed the street in front of us. Ugh, look at that guy with the backpack, I said, without even thinking about it. 
What about him? His backpack. What's wrong with it? It's just a normal backpack. And indeed it was. It was just a medium-sized, normal camo backpack. I'd seen probably hundreds like it over the years, carried not only by army dudes in airports, but also by their civilian brethren who purchased them at army surplus stores. I couldn't explain why I had such a negative reaction to that backpack. I just did. And thus, my latent intolerance of all things backpack had finally broken free. It was at that moment that I became a backpack hater. Please understand, I can tolerate a soldier carrying a backpack. Those were designed to carry extra ammunition and the necessities of war. I can also tolerate a child carrying a backpack. Those were designed to evenly distribute the weight of school books, homework, and a lunchbox on a tiny body. But when adults carry backpacks, it really gives me the creeps. And since I teach at an enormous university, it's something I see pretty often. But the question that's hard to answer is why? Why do I hate them so much? I guess I can explain it to you, but only on a surface level. Backpacks are almost always ugly. But after all, I'm the type of person who will cram my foot into a five inch heel so uncomfortable, it feels like a torture vice by the end of the night. So I clearly always choose looking good over practicality. But when it gets down to it, I'd rather have a permanent dent on my right shoulder from carrying all the weight on one side than to be seen using something as hideous as a backpack. Hmm, I wasn't sure about this one, especially when she mentioned the levitating dwarf, but I think she turned me there at the end. She's very persuasive. So, that's it for another episode. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in between your ears soon. Please visit www.bazookaluka.com. Follow me on Twitter, at bazookaluka. Like my page on Facebook. Leave comments and rate me on iTunes. I can't stress that enough. Thanks to my parents for flying all the way from Italy to be with me. Thanks to Adrian for being weird. And thanks to you. I leave you with rival schools. Ring it out. Bye-bye. Love you.
per aver ascoltato Bazooka Luca. Boom! Benvenuti al podcast di Bazooka Luca! Benvenuti al podcast di Bazooka Luca! Un altro, dai! Madonna Luca, non so più come fare! Dai, dai, dai!